Hi, I'm Michelle. I'm Gail. Welcome to Friday I'm in Love, Monday I Post Podcasts. And we're doing this introduction because we don't usually do this, but um, we had a, just had a long conversation with Michelle's little brother, Joe, about comic books and gay, rec- gay representation in comics and Marvel Universe and DC Universe and everything along those lines, followed by a basically a drag-out brawl about the electability of Elizabeth Warren. Um, the sound quality is not the best because Joe was sitting in a car in the rain and we are sitting in our living room on a speakerphone. But it's a really good conversation. So we're posting this and you should give it a listen. Yeah, we apologize for the sound quality. We are working on that. Um, If you have any suggestions for improving our podcast, let us know. Um, We are trying to hit more current events because we're living in a world where we cannot ignore them. But this is also infused by the fact that we are Gen X and we want to see a better future for the people who are following us than we're facing now. So this is Michelle. This is Gail. And we are here being gay in the 21st century after having been gay in the 20th century. And give us a listen. Thanks for stopping by. Oh, we started a Gail and Michelle podcast Instagram. So check us out there because we have no idea how to use the filters. And it's kind of goofy fun. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm actually recording video, which is rare. So thanks for listening. Take care. Joseph is very loud. So you might want to turn down your volume. <laughs> Um, or just be aware, Joe is very loud. Yeah, <laughs> um, and we are going to be fixing our sound issues, but we think that these conversations are important enough and telling enough about us that you might find it worth a listen. So we appreciate your patience. Thank you and your support. And once again, <laughs> Joe's lock screen has locked. All right. Take care. We'll talk to you in two weeks. Check us out on Instagram. It's Gail and Michelle Podcast. Ciao. The Spider Verse. Did you see that? I did see Into the Spider Verse. I I saw it after reading views for a long time, and then I uh, Jojo, my older son, wanted to see it, so I did it, and I I did enjoy it, even though I am not a Miles Morales fanboy. I was impressed by by it. Um, yeah. So it, it's not it was not targeted to this uh, older comic book fan, that's for sure. But I guess I'm a uh, comfortable with that i'm comfortable leaving the world to younger people so they can do spider-man because i tell you what peter parker being an acolyte of tony stark is not my spider-man so no no that's just horrible isn't it yeah i think there was way too much robert downey jr in the whole series in the whole series just way too much yeah well you know i know it's sacrilege yeah you're cutting out Jeff. Uh, my uh, lasting opinion is left. he lived his life that way before he got cast in the Avengers. And um, yeah, I'm a, not a huge fan and never have been, to be honest with you, despite the semi-successful nature of his resurgence. Well, yeah, he did, I mean, he practically was Tony Stark, so yeah. you have to give him props for that. Yeah. Hijacked us. I don't necessarily agree with that. That's just what we're led to believe because that's what a thousand million podcasts and news drama reviews have told us that Iron Man is Tony Stark and Tony Stark was junior. It seems 
I don't know, counterintuitive and kind of cyclical. I don't necessarily agree with that, but that's what Marvel Cinema has told us, so we got to believe it. Gail loves the second one. Actually, I like the first one, too. The third one makes absolutely no sense, and um, the did are you up to date with this new movie stuff you said x-men so i'm assuming that we're talking about the the movie now yeah, or well, no, I thought Gil was a bigger fan of X-Men because you were always a fan of X-Men. You know, I... Who didn't love the X-Men in the early 80s, you know? I want the Legion movie to do it well. <laughs> yeah, that, they don't even print a Legion comic book, so why in God's name would they uh, ever do another uh, Legion... Why would they ever do a Legion movie? They have you watched? They chop them up and send them into little pieces of their TV world. There was some Legionnaire characters on oh, Supergirl. Was... There's a couple Legionnaire characters on Krypton. They had a Justice League versus Fatal Five movie. So you know, as long as you like your Legion of Superheroes in bits and pieces, I guess you're well, getting some. Mono on Supergirl was awful. We stopped watching it because of Repeat the question. Uh, you know, I, I, um, I couldn't keep up with it. So the first couple seasons, yes. And then um, maybe after uh, Rip Hunter disappeared, the Doctor Who guy, I, I kind of stopped watching it. Just because it just seemed a little too gratuitous. Seemed a little, I don't know, like not my DC, DC, supposedly. So, you know, I, fo I follow the, um, I follow the, you know, I read the reviews, I read the recaps, and it seems like fun. I think DC is, uh, I think DC television is trying to counteract the toxic uh, cloud of their movies with a lot more fun, yeah, lighthearted stuff. Really so uh, I think I would enjoy it. I just don't have the time to watch so much yeah, of it. we skipped the first season. We watched the first season, but all that Vandal Savage stuff was terrible. And yet Vandal Savage is one of the better villains of the DC universe that they just can't get right. It would seem count it would seem that they should be able to do that one right. Uh you know, a Donald yeah. Trumpish caveman, yeah, you know. Do you watch 
do you do you um do you have Netflix? Did you watch the Marvel stuff? No. Yeah, we watched on the Defenders. We watched Defenders, but uh, that's it's, it's so much. Plus, so you watched Defenders Cold. You didn't watch the other ones. We didn't. We didn't watch. Well, we watched a couple episodes of which. We, we watched uh, oh, Jessica Jones or, uh, or and I, but uh, for the reviews I'd heard Daredevil was too brutal. Well, that 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 it was. Yeah, Daredevil, uh, Punisher. If you don't like Daredevil's brutality, don't watch yeah, Punisher. Well, we, like that that we, yeah, we Joe really likes the Defenders, and I think she probably like Jessica Jones, but I'm. I have to agree with the with the kind of the uh, the current um, I guess um, critique of Jessica Jones and Luke Cage is it was so decompressed it just it could have been done in three hours and they did it in ten to twelve episodes you know it's just kinda, the wasting the Jessica Jones character and Christine Ritter be honest with you it just kind of they strung that out so much as they can and that's going to be season three of jessica jones of the the netflix marvel series which is sort of depressing because they kind of killed the golden yeah. goose but um yeah it was obviously a work in progress that they just kind of prematurely killed for corporate yeah, happens a lot that was really i like the i like that misty knight was in the luke cage series but i I always loved um, Power Man and I to read it. My favorite comic. And, um, but I loved um, I that. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that was impressive that they did that, and uh, they almost got close to uh, getting some sort of vibe that they got from the uh, the Luke, the Power Man Iron Fist yeah. here. I think they, you know, one more season they could have gotten it. You know, they finally got Finn Jones, the Iron Fist character, a, a little sharper. Yeah. You know, he was horrible in his first season, and they got the. He just got swallowed up by the, the Luke Cage guy. The Luke Cage guy was so charismatic and defined Luke Cage, and you know, Iron Fist had no chance. Basically, that actor yeah, you know, was kind of substandard. Based. His peers, you know, the people he was yeah. acting with. Yeah, he was really the weak link in the defenders, and he was such a weak link. Uh, yeah. Because <laughs> I, I realized over time that one, I was way more into romance than I thought as a teenager. If he would ask me about the reason why I liked the Legion was because everyone was dating, and it was also 50 50 girls and guys. And um, part of I like. There was the night thing. As I look back over the course, I would have not romance aspect that I would have ever Yeah, you know, I, I, I like the Legion in that era for the same reason that I like most of DC because of the interconnectedness. You know, uh, we happen to read 
the right time. I mean, read Legion of Superheroes at the right time in that um, Keith Giffen, you know, Paul Levitz, you know, run that uh, that's probably considered, you know, one of the finer runs of all comics, much less DC, much yeah, less Legion of Superheroes. Um, so everything else, everything else uh, kind of paled in comparison to that run. I like team books better than, and so I like team hero stories better than solo hero stories. I just really... Oh no, without question. Without question. And they handled that so well. Yeah, because it was the Great Darkness Saga that I started collecting because I had to buy it from you because you got tired of how often I would Yeah, no, and that that was um, and we I picked that up maybe uh, we started reading Legion maybe shortly prior to that, and I don't remember if we went back or if I was buying those digest of all the old Jim Shooter stuff or the Jim Shooter Kurt Swan stuff. Yeah, you know, in a Silver Age and kind of un, you know, kind of Silver Age is I guess the only description of it, you know. Uh, and then we went back and got all the other stuff. Uh, you know, you had a pretty good run. Up into the Superboy, you know, yeah, back into all, the Superboy stuff. Now. And then when they went to the Baxter stuff, that was even Part still good, things, you know. Wild, they would, they would publish. Penetrable list of comics. Not there. Repeat what you did. <laughs> we got up to the Baxter. It's funny. People are afraid of the Legion. I have a, are you familiar with Back Issue, the comic? I mean, the comic magazine? All right, Back Issue. There's a publishing company called Tomorrow's, right? It does a lot of um, expositional stuff. It, it does a lot of uh, nostalgia stuff. And there's a, there's a bi, bi-monthly magazine called Back Issue, which basically is articles about the creation and the comic series that we like, you know, the, the seventies, the bronze age, the copper age, you know, and um, I start when I got back into comic books about 10 years ago, I found back issue and, you know, I read a lot and it's great, but a friend of mine, I kind of got him hooked. I I bought him a needle and we injected it into our veins together. So he's actually writing articles for back issue. So he gets, um, I, he gives them to me, and I review them, and I rip them up. I don't have the time to research, but I have the time to destroy it. And then he rewrites it again. He he was published. He did an article on Speedball. I don't know. Speedball was like a secondary character that they invented. Um, you know, Spider Man kind of guy. He, he ended up in New Warriors. You know, towards the you know early nineties. He's um, he's done. He's had. I think he's seen publication at least twice. But anyway they don't really tackle the legion of superheroes. You know, I, there's maybe a couple articles on it because the legion is so scary to people. There's no gateway into the legion, you know, and it's a sad part because the legion has such a, you know, for lack of a better word, a rich history and nobody really wants to tackle that. You think you could, I mean, there's compendiums and, um, you know, um, books with essays about the legion but there's no real deep uh academic research into it uh for lack of a better term and that's uh that's a shame because the legion is so good 
um, despite um, its convolutedness, and you would think other people would do that, especially because they're teenagers and they're angsty and they're fucking and they're gay and they're not gay and they, yeah, um, you know, how do you not do that? If you look over the history of the Legion, it's basically the history of comic books, except for recently because and I always get really frustrated sure. when people are mentioning DC characters were gay, and they never mention life class and drinking violet, and that's now is actually really cool. And then they, I mean, even trans characters, um, Sean Eric, you know, literally changed. Yeah, that was the science police yeah. officer, correct? I mean, Going out with Elemental Lad, I guess, in yeah. the early parts of that run. Yeah, when she was a uh, when he was a uh, Spawn Aaron, the girl, and then Trek switched. <laughs> yeah, and nobody ever mentions that. That's like way early character. That was in the what was that? That was in the uh, you know, I don't, I don't know when they switched it. Um, uh, I remember her being certainly um, female in the um, in you know when that yeah. in that epic run. You know, I'm not exactly sure when they switched it, but probably early '90s, sometime it after the Baxter they run. Added the Clone Legion in. Yeah, so yeah, so that would have been '92, '93, I guess. Just yeah. kind of looking back at them. That's pretty early, I guess, for gay representation yeah. in comic books, well, right? Every time I read about gay representation in comic books, people like skip over that, and I'm like, Legion of Superheroes and all kinds of... And plus, my favorite... What is um, your first recollection of a gay character in comic books? I mean, did you look for com did you look to comic books uh, for gay representation? I gotta believe comic books are pretty heteronormal, no, actually, you know? I kind of feel really stupid because I didn't figure out that anything was weird about Camelot 3000 until, you know, I just kind of, I, you know me, I'm very naive and literal, and so when they switched, when Tristan woke up in a girl's body, it didn't eventually anyway, it didn't strike me as gay person is something that happens to the character. I mean, nobody... Yeah. You're, I took that as like a bad Freaky Friday reaction, you know? Was that meant to be? Did they write that as a... Did they write... Was there gay subtext to that or gay... <laughs> I mean, I'm not as interested in breaking stuff down as you are or even Gail is. But I mean, I looked back at that, you know, like 10 years later and wondered why mom didn't freak out over it or something. You know, because we all read it. And it was, I, 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 I spent like a couple of years looking at some of the stuff like the Legion, the early Legions, because they did some drinking violet class flirting, Levitch did, before the reboot. You know, when I went back, I could see there was subtext and there was a reason that they took the characters and put them in a relationship. But I had totally missed it when I was a teenager. Yeah. Well, are you? Is it really there, or are you just hoping it's there? I'm not doubting well, you. I'm just curious like, because, again, I'm gets pissed at um, Lightning Last when she dates Cosmic Boy's little brother. I mean, it's it's definitely text, but there's also something there. 
Yeah, that's that's good. And is that is that is that Paul Levitz writing it or Keith Giffen's time? I mean, it was you. You could see why he took those two characters because there had been stuff, especially if you do um, like last someone who was living on a farm commune and you know could go a bisexual. <laughs> you know, you could definitely violate his you know, traumatized she was in the sensory deprivation tank and had been replaced when she was dating oh boy. They they're That's right. why they chose those two and if you go back you can kinda of connect the dots. But uh, yeah, when I went back I felt kind of stupid for never having connected the dots. So Camelot three thousand probably the first thing about comics that I ever noticed was a little gay. <laughs> You know what? You know, I, I don't know why I've never thought of this topic before. God knows we were so invested in that community. Uh, I, I'm curious as to if there was any more subtext we missed. How could you connect the dots? The dots were so below <laughs> our eye line. How could we connect those dots? You know, I mean, as someone who I don't, I don't know, you know, we've never super spoke about this. But as you're reading these comics in the mid to in the early to mid '80s, are you struggling with coming out as gay, being gay, and are you looking to the Legion of Superheroes or the New Teen Titans to help you along that road? I, I don't know. And if you are, I guess I'm speaking universally. Boy, if these things are written way below the the sight lines and you know read between lines, I don't think you're going to find much solace in the. Camelot 3000 having a character, a male knight in a character's body, you know? But there's so little representation, and there was even less then that people found solace in anything. People make up. Well, God knows I read a lot of comic books, and I don't think I picked up. Unfortunately. I mean, you had any kind of romance you wanted. Yeah. You, mean, you didn't have to look for a dude who was involved with a redhead. You could find one or something. Because you were way into redhead. <laughs> yeah. You know, I never someone who defined me because I had no trouble visualizing myself as King Arthur. And that's one of the things that I don't understand about the modern world. I get kind of pissed off when people say, you can't be it if you can't see it. And I'm like, why the fuck not? <laughs> Do your children think that? <laughs> yeah. No, I don't believe they do. Yeah. I mean, I, it seems to be another way to knock women if you say you can't. But then there's the women who think that that's right. So I just don't. That really bugs me because I don't know why you can't be King Arthur. You pull the sword out of stone and you're good. Well, I think some of that goes back to our generation because um, I mean there weren't that many of us so you could as everyone yeah that's what I mean <laughs> you don't have to see it because every person there weren't as many of us as there were before us or after us and so we had could make our own lot huh well, things weren't locked down. Not everything was right. ripped down for demographics. That's changed so much. What do you think about that, Joe? 
I mean, how are your how how are your kids growing up different from when you were? Well, how have our kids? Well, I mean, specifically to my children, um, growing up, I, 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 that's that's a loaded question, there, ladies. I'm not sure. Uh, <laughs> you know, here's all right, Isabella. My um, the, Isabella's what thirteen now. Wow. Came out as gay two, three years ago. Uh, certainly a uh, long time before y you came out as gay, you know. Are you gay? Did, oh. Does people know that? I'm sorry. Did I just spoil it? Sorry. Sorry, I just yeah. outed my sister and sister-in-law on the podcast. But so there – and be honest with you, nobody blinked an eye except maybe, uh, you know, maybe her maternal grandfather – said something semi-ignorant and then backed off it without realizing he was talking about his own granddaughter. So in the sense that she could be comfortable in her own skin, that's fantastic. You know, I mean, I'm growing up in the same, you know, I'm raising my kids in a similar environment that I grew up in, uh -huh. suburban softness, you know, the yeah. haze of boredom, you know. Uh, um, but they seem to be a lot more, for lack of a better word, woke than I certainly was. You know, we lived in a cloud. We, we lived under a rock yeah. between our parents. And, you know, uh, we knew nothing. We weren't told about sex. We, my father still hasn't had that conversations about sex. I'm yeah. 50 years old and four children, you know? So the fact, I don't know. I'm sure they're growing up yeah, well, different I mean, than me. Our parents were very much hands-off about some topics. I mean, I never even had any some some topics, all topics. I was really fortunate that nothing really bad happened. Because um, the only talk I had about sex was um, Grandma Buckley, who, when I was a sophomore in college, said, I hope you're not doing anything, and if you are, I hope you're taking precautions. And I'm like, this is way too late for this talk. And what the hell are you talking about? Think about that. You went to college in Chicago. I went to college in New York. Gina went to college far, far away. Bo went to college in Bumble F, Michigan. So they should have prepared us all better. Not to turn this into a, you know, dump on the parents thing. But um, to answer your question, yes, I am raising my children differently. Vincent just screamed something about a dildo, and he is 12 or 13, so... He, he obviously knows something I didn't know, you know? I don't know when. I got most of my college education oh, yeah. when I met my freshman year. Yeah, I don't, you know, so, yes, my children are being raised differently, and more specifically, you know, uh, whether, you know, I don't know. They should be. God, you know, uh, there's only 10% gay people out there in the world. You know, that's what they say. So you got to prepare them. It's just absurd. It, I work in a high school and people, you know, you know, I don't know the terms, but um, homosexual children hold hands and kiss. No problem. You know, I worked the prom last night. There were gay oh. women dancing. Um uh, that never would have happened in 1985, 86. I said fag and homo like uh, nothing in school. You know, that was I the insult du jour. You know, I'm impressed by that. You know, there were, it's just ridiculous. So, no, you know, it just, I think there's a lot of still, there's, you know, boys and there's a lot of male teasing. 
But I do think, I do know for a fact it's certainly more accepting than it was, say, 35 years ago. Yep. And my children, even if I wanted to be an ignorant buffoon, the world outside, at least if you let them live in the world outside and don't shelter them or poison them, the world outside has so much, you know, LBGQT stuff that they accept the normal, doesn't they? Don't even raise an eyebrow. Wow. is actively gay and nobody says anything that's fantastic you know it's like you it's like you when you came out and my issues with you had nothing to do with you being gay and i vividly remember saying that it may be apocryphal but you know you're still a, you know you're still a mean old what does it matter what you gay you know how did we get there if we were raised in a cloud i, I don't know you know go cruising for chicks together Probably. Yeah. When did out, you come out? 89? When Gail and I started dating, I came out mostly to tell people that Gail was in my life and I was very serious about it. It wasn't because I wanted to tell people I was gay because honestly, well, you know, with mom and dad, it's like everything's a need to know basis and we kept them out of our dating lives as much as possible. But it oh, sure. They met, they met Vivian oh, after I was engaged, you know? Is that when you came out? I don't I don't know. I mean, we were all separate. So, you know, we all went and did our different things, you know? We yeah. saw each other very rarely then. I proposed, and we've been dating for, what, six, six months? months? Yeah. So, yeah, I told them because I was serious about Gail. Because, honestly... And how soon... How soon did you introduce Gail? I remember you coming out at, like, an Easter yeah. break-type scenario, right? And mommy side of the family not handling it well. I don't recall much. Again, a lot of this is apocryphal. But when did Gail come into our lives? When did when did when did we meet Gail? When I was when I went to Washington, my um, when I was back, which would have been winter. Um, I came I came to New Jersey for New Year's Eve. I remember that. Yeah, because you were in New Jersey for some reason. Yeah, and she also went back. Well, no, the first time you met was when you went back for a job interview. That, no, that was that. Oh, that was after that? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I remember the first time you went back for a job interview. So, New Year's Eve 90. So, well, 89. Oh, 89. Is that when I missed the flight? Yeah. <laughs> that sounds about right. Gina had already yeah. gotten out of the mental hospital. Yeah. Again, I outed Gina. Psycho, who would have thought? Yeah, we usually have to have some sort of a disclaimer at the beginning of this that if there's anything to spoil, Michelle will. That's fine. Well, I guess I guess that runs in the family. Yeah, so yeah, because everybody was we were alone in the house the next morning and we missed our flight. Well, let me see. Let me say this to Gail. The Gail, the fact that Gail did not run after meeting us speaks highly of Gail. You know what I mean? I mean, my God, between the, the Nortons and the house, what the hell were you thinking? I mean, I know it's too late now, 30-something years later, but God almighty, jeez. I know it was only so much Vivian could take no. before she beat feet. No, she put up quite a while ago. 
transitioning or he was trans yeah and yet nobody blinks an eye your eyes no there's there was a kid and you know i not to you know god knows they're still a long way ahead you know and uh you know with the rollback of civil rights for you know the gay community is a little scary you know and isabella being autistic and she's got three strikes against her anyway her coming out that strikes me as the last thing I have to worry about, you know, that's a fantastic thing, you know, but who knows, you know, who knows in this handmaiden society world we're living in now, what's going to happen 10 years from now, you know? So as a father, I'm, um, I'm concerned not because she's gay, but because the world is, uh, not becoming a better place, but in all honesty, she'll drown in, uh, climate change anyway, before she'll get Mm. gay bashed. I don't know if I should say we can hope. I don't think so. No, I don't think so. Well, I think... Well, you want to talk about current events, and it's depressing. I'd rather talk about the Great Darkness Saga than the way the world is going. You know, that's for sure. I don't even know what that is. The Great Darkness Saga? Yeah. Oh, well, it's really cool. Um, It's dark. Diamond Girl and Lightning Glass have twins. No, better girl and lightning that afterwards. That's another thing I didn't figure out until for freaking ever that um when uh after Lad died and Lightning Glass impersonated him, I mean Saturn Girl and Lightning Glass basically dated for a while. <laughs> Which when you retro the Legion you have to you realize that. Because Lightning Glass got into the Legion for impersonating her brother and died. So it dated telepath. And the telepath either didn't notice or didn't care. <laughs> that, that's kind of that's that's definitely a plot hole from hell. Yeah, it really is when you think about it. Um, I always find that, but basically, um, lightning and girl have twins, and the bad guy takes one of them away and turns him into a big mama. Yeah, and like takes him back into time. Yeah, it's really interesting, and then they have to deal with that because there's the fatal five who are trying to assassinate the legion and one of the five is actually twins they didn't realize it hmm. yeah well how could you realize it you know so yeah it's very cool <laughs> very good yeah. it will make a good movie it will make a good netflix series but oh well hmm. yeah no well the Warner Brothers net, the Warner Brothers stuff that I've sent bits and pieces of it, the Doom Patrol, the Teen Titans, that's very subpar. You know, DC doesn't have the production quality without a network like uh, Warner Brothers or CBS to pull that off. I don't know if you're familiar with the DC product, but they have a Teen Titans and they have a, a Doom Patrol out, and it's just kind of. It's weak yeah. sauce. It's not very good. I saw it when they were launching it on like Twitter, but I haven't none of my Twitter feeds follow it. Um, yeah. yeah. I, what I want to catch up on is DC seems to have done really good animated movies. People were talking about them, and yeah, yeah that's I referred to one in the. Um, that's a oh, that's a little overhyped. Let's be honest with you, but um, 
they, they had Justice League versus Fatal Five, and it was okay. They have a lot of suicide stuff. It's beef stuff. It, it's it's grindhouse quality. To be honest with you, you know they get they get names sometimes. It's just too inconsistent. They they don't, you know they don't they repeat on themselves. I don't subscribe to that. It's it's okay, but it's not it's not you know. It's it's sort of a, a offer to say, hey, we don't do Su- Suicide Squad and Dawn of Justice sucked, but our animated product is great. Believe me, it's not so great to forgive Suicide Squad and Dawn of <laughs> Justice. Yeah, DC seems to be all over the place between their TV. They're not as connected artistically as Marvel is. No. No, and, and they and they seem to be embracing that. With this Joker movie, they seem to be embracing that with a reboot or reintroduction of the just of the Suicide Squad. You know, it's like um, they have no overarching theme, and, and um, it's I don't know. I I enjoyed Aquaman though not as much as you guys did when I listened to your podcast, and I enjoyed Wonder Woman though the third act was horrible. Yeah. But um, you can't. You can't, you can't all of a sudden create Robert Downey Jr., Chris Hemsworth, Chris Evans, you know, Scarlett Johansson, you know, with the actors that they're pulling out. You know, it's just they can't. You can't get lightning in a bottle, so you got to stop trying. You know. <laughs> yeah, I would like to see somebody do something with the milestone characters. I know they did Black Lightning, and we started to watch that, but it wasn't that thrilled. But I'd love to see Static Shock. And the shadow. Well, black. I mean, not to correct you, Black Lightning's an older character, not Milestone. Oh, that's true. Yeah, my my friend wrote an article for that. That's why I know that. (laughs) He wrote a Black Lightning character article, you know. And I lent him all my Batman and the Outsider stuff. Yeah, I love Batman and the Outsider. Well, Katana, I like Katana, which isn't really surprising. Yeah, I was happy when she showed up in the Suicide Squad, even though it was just the name more than the character. Yeah. Well, it's hard to have a play because you just got to kill people. <laughs> I mean, at least you know, the Green Arrow can do boxing glove arrows, but when your thing is a katana. <laughs> when your thing is a katana, like, uh, and it has a sword like Elric where it's eating souls, you know what I mean? So. What are you going to do? You're going to slice people? <laughs> Which is why she ended up in the Suicide Squad, you know, in the Suicide Squad movie. You know, she wouldn't have ended up in the Justice League movie. I would really like to. Um, I sometimes I keep trying. They keep trying to reboot the Green Hornet with um, Kato either being a girl or actually Green Hornet was a girl for a while, and the publisher freaked. And I really like the thought that um, Kato's daughter, you know, turns into the Green Hornet or a badder ass than the Green Hornet. But that I, Kevin Smith wrote it for a while, and I wasn't that thrilled with it. But it, 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 like I really <laughs> there's definitely a black. Yeah, and I love the Green Hornet shadow type. Yeah, that that pulp stuff is good, and I guess pulp stuff should thrive in comic books. You know, yes. Yeah. Uh, is the Phantom is the Phantom a car- is the Phantom a successful publishing thing now? I don't know. You know, I think oh. that's kind of is that a public domain? The Phantom? Oh, I don't know. Actually, I don't think so. Um, but I did see something 
there was an African warrior tribe. I just saw a Phantom reference. Um, and they like put animals on their shields, you know, for their strength. And they put um, Lee Fox the Phantom art on it because, you know, they felt affinity for him because he's from the jungle. And <laughs> that was because I loved, I, would, I remember when we used to go to the track and there would be newspapers blowing around and some of them were in Spanish. And I would even look at the Phantom in Spanish and got a chance. <laughs> Earl Phantom. There were there was when Diana was a Phantom, and then there were the tw when the twins were the Phantom because one of them was a boy, was a girl. So I mean, that was like so much better for um cool girls kick butt than even Prince Valiant. <laughs> sure. Did I tell you I met Mike Grell? At a really, a friend? That that's um where where did you meet him? Um, at Baltimore Comic Con. That's we cool. actually had this really cool conversation about the Sunday art he used to do for Tarzan. And uh, he asked me what paper I read it in. And I said, the Asbury Park Press. And we had a conversation about, you know, Sunday comic strips and stuff like that, because that was actually not in the comic was the, the Sunday serials. Sure. Prince Valiant and um, the other stuff, you know, that's, that, that was a uh, hard. And I mean, Brenda Starr was the daily too, but mm -hmm. Prince Valentine and the Phantom. And the Medallion Stripper just Sunday. I I think Prince Valiant was certainly just a uh a Sunday one. That was its thing, you know. Uh, I don't know about Tarzan. Tarzan um, was just but Prince Valiant for sure was a Sunday. I don't think Tarzan was. I think Tarzan was a was a weekly just in that vein of Prince Valiant as well. No, I love that stuff. And I loved when DC did that Wednesday comics about and ten plus years crazy. ago. That's fantastic. In the newsprint. Yes, absolutely. And there's an oversized edition that's that's adorable. You know, it just doesn't fit on your bookshelf very well. Yeah, because yeah, I mean, if I were actually going to reboot one thing about comics, it would be those Sunday serials. Because I miss sure. Brandon and <laughs> you know Brenda Starr and going in to find Black Orchard. So you know her husband or lover wouldn't die, you know, and Brenda Starr just, and, and Tarzan, and, you know, um, Prince Arn and um, Val's daughter, you know, dressing up as a knight, you know, that, mm -hmm. that I, I really ate up. <laughs> and there's nothing like that anymore. I mean, I've, I've tried to follow comics that want to capture that, but the week cliffhanger thing, it's really hard to do in a monthly comic. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know if anybody's doing it digitally because I guess you could do it on a webcomic. But, I mean, that art style takes so much effort that it would be not, I imagine it would be, um, you wouldn't make enough money if you did that. Did that. That's, I mean, I those Sunday serials. <laughs> so, yeah, that might be about it. And I kind of find uh, a Dawn Star and, to get back to the Legion, um, Wildfire poster. They were my Legion couple for a very long time. Yeah, no, his Legion was good stuff. Yeah. Heavily inked, but good stuff. His Legion, when he drew the Legion, it had nothing to do with his stuff on John Sable. It had nothing to do with his stuff on, you know, the, uh, you know, what, what he, longbow hunters, you know? Because yeah. his stuff was so heavily inked. I remember him fighting, him drawing, yeah, it's. Yeah, that that was the that was a couple years preceding the uh, the stuff that we grew up on. Right. Yeah, Sable was really dark. I mean, that, that inking wise, he was always yes. He had such 
heavy cheekbones. <laughs> but you know what? You're right. It was perfect for, you know, his art style was perfect. I never made the connection. His art was perfect for that kind of stuff. Kind of sketchy, kind of, you know, you saw a lot of brushwork. That, that was perfect for the Sunday strips. Yeah. So that's I'd reboot. Reboot anything. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm running out of useful for talking. How are you doing? Anything else you want to hit up while we have Joe on the line? <laughs> I'm, I'm glad we didn't talk about current events. It's very depressing, to be honest with you. I, I get uh, just to tie up the world. I, I get, uh, you know, it's hard to avoid it. But, um, boy, something's got to happen. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, I tend to think that the current, you know, they, they talk about everything that, that, that the current president is undoing, you know, and, and I guess the obvious analogy is, yeah, he turned, he, he turned America quickly, but it's not his fault. It, you know, he's the catalyst, but that means the agents of change are there before. Well, yeah. You know, he's just more acceptable, and it's just, Mitch McConnell is actually the one who's making everything happen so quickly. Sure, absolutely. Uh, their acquiescence is just there is no there is no framer of the Constitution that would support what's going on, and, and they beat us over the head with the Constitution. But they want they they just it, the shredding of the Constitution. I mean, I guess I'm. I guess the three of us are a little more sharper than the average American, obviously, despite where we live, you know, but just the shredding of the constitution for this fool, the worse than a fool is just embarrassing. But here's the optimistic side, you know, um, 20 Germany was Germany was doing better. So I think, I think we'll be fine. You know, this too shall pass though. As he shreds everything, it doesn't seem like that. I just I just read an article I showed around about how Elizabeth Warren went into actually West Virginia into a bunch of Trump supporters because they said they'll talk to anybody who wants to find a way to deal with the opiate crisis. And they actually got some applause because she was just very straightforward. And I mean, I think part of Trump's base, the part that has hearts and just, you know, unabashedly racist Nazi scum, they know that there's problems and they just want somebody to talk to them like they're real people. And I mean, there's I reaching out to the racist Nazi scums. I mean, the best thing you can do for them is to not give them a platform, but I'm really heartened to see like Elizabeth Warren and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez being willing to go talk to people because they know that their struggles are the same as every, you know, the struggles of those of us who aren't the 1% or even, you know, the 10% we have a lot more in common than we don't. And if there are some Democrats who can get that message across without writing off everybody in the red state, I think there's a lot of hope because not top, top three candidates. Who do you like? Um, I really like Warren. Um, I really like Warren. I'm tired of old white dudes. I mean, Gail and I keep saying. I said this to a couple people at work last night. I said, I don't want somebody older than me to be my president. You know, I am comfortable. The millennials are getting a bad rap. I am comfortable turning it over to a Pete Booty Edge and Alexander Ocasio-Cortez. You know, did I need time? Did I need to age? 
Yes, but I am comfortable handing it to the generation beneath me, to be honest with you. Because yeah. God knows we took it and we ran with it and we didn't fix it. <laughs> They've got better tools. They're better prepared for this world. I'm not giving up. I will help them as best as I can. But uh, let someone like Pete Booty Edge, let someone like Obedo's a bit of an empty suit. Let someone like Cortez, let someone, not that she's running, but someone of that ilk, let them, let them fix the world because I, we fucked it, we screwed it up. I honestly have to do more research into Harris, um, but I like if you question Barr. Um, but yeah. yeah. Harris has got two, but Harris, they're going to, they're going to jam her up. You know, she, she, uh, she sold her soul a little bit out there in California yeah. And I think the left is going to cannibalize her. I mean, I guess I'm a member of the left, but I think the left is going to cannibalize her. And I just wish Jim his sword. I really do. Yeah. Just get the hell out of there. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the one. I'm He's not the only one that can beat Trump. You know, that's just so insulting. I'm the only one who can beat Trump. Give me a break. Trump beats Trump. You know, you package a good one two punch. The thing with Cory Booker, Cory Booker's going to get hammered because there's a lot of, you know, a lot of smoke about him and his style. I guess because I'm in Jersey and I hear it, you know, and I've always heard the underbuzz about Cory Booker, they're going to crucify him. You know, they'll they'll subtext him out of the argument, you know. I don't know if I'm being too vague or not, but. He's, he doesn't have a chance. He's a rumor. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Spoiler. <laughs> Jersey loves her. He's gay politician. Many <laughs> times, you know. And boy, he was he was putting on a show. And anybody who saw him said, boy, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's putting on a show. I never met a politician who cursed as much as he did, who repeated the fact that his father was a four-star Marine general as much as he did, you know. And then when you saw his um, his body, man, you're like, something's wrong with this picture. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not that. I think Budigig, um, uh, yay, that he's gay and has a husband, and his husband took his name, and he's out there, but he's just, he's, uh, I don't know, something about him just kind of. Well, he. Yeah, he's insubstantial. Oh, you know, yeah. he he's he's. He's making a good, good argument, but the ability, the ability to make a clear argument against Donald Trump is not that difficult. You know, you need a little bit more. So, Bill Booty Edge, I'm not – I don't really know. I can't answer my own question about top three, to be honest with you. But, uh, but somebody like those people, yeah. you know, needs to run, not Joe Biden. Warren I like, but they're going to chew up Warren. You know, she's, yeah. she's like Hillary. She's just a little past – you know, her sell-by data. You know, actually, we saw an example that um, took, it was um, if you had written people out of the race yet. And that was the one poll where I've seen Warren do better than Sanders. It was like Biden, it was if you were completely opposed or if you were still willing to listen to them. And like 40% of Democrats they polled were still willing to listen to Warren, which gave her the second highest number compared to Biden. Biden just needs to go. And I don't get the Sanders Bernie. I don't get the Sanders cultists. No. <laughs> Sanders cultists are these, uh, I don't know. The San, Sanders, he's got to go to. He's got to, Joe Biden and Sanders need to just retire. What you need is, I want Warren to, 
you know, Warren can be the Robert Duvall character in The Godfather, the consigliere, you know what I mean? Can whisper in the ear. She's not going to get elected. They're just going to destroy her. She's an easy target. You shouldn't put her up there, you know, because she's just, she's so smart, but she's just, she's, she's haunted by her own misdeeds. Put somebody else there with less things that Donald Trump can attack because that's what Donald Trump's going to do. He's going to humiliate these people. And, and, and just uh, Warren doesn't have enough to carry or pass that where you get somebody with less baggage yeah. with her ideas. I think that would be better. That's very oversimplification. I, I'm sorry. This is a bigger topic. But Although, I mean, just all the baggage Trump had. I mean, I think that the electability issue is just a way to shorthand say, I don't want to vote for this person. And I mean, she's actually traveling to all 50 states. She's refused money. She's really solid on getting politics out of government. I was reading our money out of politics. I was reading an article that said, I think the real danger for her is Wall Street because they're terrified of her and Sanders. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm talking about, the baggage, not just the Pocahontas and the DNA test. It's her and her Consumer Protection Bureau. Wall Street will not let her anywhere near there and then we're going to get stuck with donald trump because donald this is what's going to happen in my opinion again it's just my opinion sitting in the car at the age of 50 you know elizabeth warren scares wall street right the mick the nick melvaney's and the larry cudlow's of the world do not want someone like her protecting us you know she has lived her life such a way with this you know, with the Native American stuff, that she's going to leave herself open for Donald Trump's stupid manipulation of the morons that vote for him. I'm sorry, uh, but you know, and the 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 um the the Republican deep state, which is basically Wall Street, is going to tear up Warren, and then he's going to humiliate her until she becomes unelectable. Anybody so please don't tear us. Doing that. They're going to just shoot her first. She'll be like the first one on the beach in detail. I'm trusting both of you because I can't hear both of you. <laughs> yeah, no, I, 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 I was talking okay. over Gail, maybe. Anyone who's going to listen to Trump humiliating Elizabeth Warren is going to vote for him anyway. You're not going to change those. There's a certain... There's like 30% of the voters who are going to vote for Trump no matter what, no matter what he says, no matter who's running against him. You got to concentrate on the other 70%. And Warren has, like most of the women, never won and never lost, lost an election. election. And she actually really worked with populist vibe. So I think you may. No, I agree with that. It's certainly a populist vibe better than Bernie, even though Bernie's getting all the press. From Oklahoma, I did not know this. And she also apparently dropped out of college to marry like her first boyfriend <laughs> at the age of 19. I mean, it's just, I mean, she's mostly been who I've researching about, but I mean, she's really trying to take it to the streets. And that worked for Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. And in the primaries, if it works, there are so many people on Tumblr and everywhere I see who say, let's have a clean fight in the primary and then we just have to get out there and vote for whoever the Democrat is and register everyone out of vote. Okay, but that's not going to happen because Donald Trump has poisoned the well. You know, and anything or anything AOC did was for a very small part of a very, a very diverse 
she didn't run nationally. She she's she's a flash in the pan in the sense that she, you know she she couldn't run a national campaign. Anything that AOC did is not comparable to what Elizabeth Warren has to try to do. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're wrong. <laughs> How am I wrong? How am I wrong that AOC didn't run a national campaign? <laughs> but everybody knows her name now. She's 29 years old. Okay, I don't disagree with that, but they know her name because she got in. I'm an AOC fan. I'm just saying she didn't win a national election like Elizabeth Warren oh. has to. So she can't – so we can't use AOC as the standard bearer no, of how yeah. to do this. You, you're the one who said she was, and she's not. No, I because, said that Elizabeth okay. Warren should – Elizabeth is, is getting the populist vote by using some of those tactics. And honestly, honestly – yeah, no, I didn't. I didn't compare AOC to Warren. My vote matters instead of the money. Right. And I don't know if there will be enough people voting for my vote to matter more than the money, but I would really like to think that Elizabeth Warren can knock in 50 on doors in 50 states actually motivate, because she's the only one who's trying to motivate people in 50 states, and I would really like to think that that could be money. Yeah. Listen, I agree with everything you say, and Elizabeth Warren is the fully formed candidate. Mm -hmm. That being said, Elizabeth Warren will not be the Democratic nominee, unfortunately. And this is what we're doing. We're talking to three very leftist people that can't agree. Yeah, but, Elizabeth, I, and you, the one, and you don't, but who will be if she isn't? Okay, tell us who will be. Oh, I have no idea at this time in the at this time in the election. So many things that happen. I'm just telling you now, and we'll podcast this later. She won't be the nominee because they're going to destroy her. Well, I think you're wrong, but I want to know how you can say she won't be when you can't say who can who will be. Oh, that's okay. That no, that those those are two separate things. <laughs> Saying that she won't be doesn't take the field against Elizabeth Warren. Okay, that's a that that's a term in my industry, the gambling industry. If you're giving me the field and you're taking Elizabeth Warren, I'll take that action and the field because they're going to destroy Elizabeth Warren. Yeah, but my bet pays off better if I got the ten. <laughs> if I if it, see, we're up against pragmatists who won't take chances. Or okay, are you just saying that large part of the reason you're saying because Elizabeth Warren is a woman? Say that again. You, you, I want to hear that. Are you just, are you, is a large percentage of why you're saying Elizabeth Warren will not be the, the nominee because she's a woman? No, not at all. Absolutely not. It's, that's not even factoring. I'm talking about her anti-Wall Street rhetoric and the mistakes she made in her professional career, none of which are because she's a woman. I don't even know where that would come from. So I no, absolutely not. Nothing to do with the fact that she's a woman. I I think that uh, the one of the person on the ticket is going to be a woman, whether it's the lead or the vice president. I think that's a done deal with cause. There's a lot of good candidates out there. I think that the deep Republican state of Wall Street is going to destroy her and the ignorant masses are going to make her a laughingstock, not because she's a woman, but because she can actually she's proven to be someone who could hurt Wall Street with what she did during the Obama administration. Wall Street has now gotten fat on Donald Trump, and they are not going to let her in the door to 
to undo what they have done in the past two years. So no, it is not because she's a woman. It's never even factored into my mind. I'm not sure where anything I said would even lead you to believe that. Well, because that she's like Hillary. No, no, no. Hillary in the sense how she ran and how they destroyed her. I was pro-Hillary. No, just the fact that here, I don't understand. Just like Hillary. Hillary was a candidate. That's what I was talking about. Whoever had nothing to do with the gender. Uh, I'm not, no, not at all. Of the Midwestern one, Amy Noblacher? Kobacher. Yeah, no, and I like Kristen Gillibrand. You know, I think oh, she's, yeah, she's, I like Kamala Harris. I just think Kamala Harris, I think the left's going to destroy Kamala, not destroy. I think the left's going to go after Kamala Harris because of her own, what she had to do as a prosecutor in California. Yeah, but black women are going to go for her, and they're a huge voting block. Yeah, and they. Are- okay, no, that's fine. Listen, I'm voting a Democrat no matter what. I just, I just think Elizabeth Warren is a straw man. I think they're going to beat the hell out of her. Oh. Not a straw woman, Gail. A straw man. Okay. He did say straw man. <laughs> Well, I, I mean, I'm really grateful for the stuff that she's talking about, though, because student loan forgiveness would be huge. <laughs> and no, I, I agree. I agree. I just think I just think that um, I just think the sharks are in the water for her. You know, the first people out are the ones that get beaten up. This is all- That's why Biden didn't come out until now. He was smart. And then the Comcast executive. We should definitely revisit this after the Democratic primary and see. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. There's a lot of, there's a a lot. Listen, I worked at Democratic National Convention, you know, and I saw the protesters out there. You know, I was in the middle of those riots, unfortunately. You know, there's a lot. Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders has mobilized the left, has mobilized the Democratic Party. Absolutely. I just think they're going to get picked off. Okay. And then we have to find the candidate that has less baggage and the right and the right idea and the right electability, male, female, whatever non-binary description. I just don't think it'll be the three older people, male or female. Well, I just don't want it to be an old white dude. Um, sure, right, absolutely. Just after Iowa. <laughs> That's fine. Revisit you after Iowa. <laughs> yeah, no, no, that's fine. And, and, and you know, uh, if it sounds bad on recording, that that's I, I don't know. There was a lot of feedback, or so maybe it's just um, maybe I, we should I should do it on the computer and not the phone. You know. Well, maybe next time we can actually get there to talk to you in the same room because that was the yeah. plan for today. We had a that's fine. And listen, nobody wants to hear another old white guy in a podcast. So if you're going to get me on, you got to get one of my children. That's the only thing. If, you, if your ratings spike because of this dulcet tones of Joseph Thornton, then yeah. bring one of my children. <laughs> well, maybe we should actually sit down and talk to Issa about her experience compared yeah, to ours sometime. Or speak to that. That's fine. She, she, and she's very articulate, so that would be fine. Yeah, all right. Well, hey. All right. Well, thanks for joining us, and we will. Post thanks it. for having me. I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm in love with my own voice. They tell me, so I can't wait to hear this. And you should really review movies or something, or go back through and read your um, movie reviews into your into a podcast of your own. All right, I'm gonna sign off now. This is show. Talk to you. And say yes. bye, Joe. <laughs> Goodbye, Joe. <laughs>
All right, everybody. We'll be back in two weeks. Thanks for listening. <laughs>